What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You need player leadership because player-led teams win and coaches can't wait and wish for team leaders. Coaches need to systemically, purposely develop and build leaders on their team. And then once you get those things, then you can look at the X's and O's and, and all of that. But we need to be more purposeful in how we develop that. This is the Reform Sports Project, a podcast about restoring healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. Hi, this is Nick Bonacore from the Reform Sports Podcast. My guest today is Greg Berg, teacher, coach, school administrator, and author. He currently serves as the high school principal and varsity boys basketball coach in Lake City, Minnesota. He is also the owner of GB1 Leadership LLC and a licensed sports leadership facilitator through the Janssen Sports Leadership Center. Greg and I discussed the 20 commandments of being a successful sports parent, his motto, no deposit, no return, and the importance of defining roles. I got another just phenomenal guest. I'm pumped to have this dude, Greg Berg. Greg, thanks so much for hopping on, man. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it. Greg, we connected. I followed you on social media. I see your content, me, your background as a high school administrator, as a coach. Um, you know, now you've been writing for so long and I love your leadership content. You have this GB1 platform where you're putting out an information about your experience and just so much helpful content. What I love is I have a lot of coaches on, I have a lot of athletes, a lot of professionals in different spaces. What I love most about having you on is you wear a lot of different hats and I want to jump right out and, and ask you this question. I often talk about the similarities between coaching and teaching, teaching, coaching, they kind of go hand in hand. You know, we have a lot of sports parents and such that'll listen to this. I'll often convey and advocate for let the kids be coached, let them be taught. What's it like working with parents from an administrative side, from the educational side, and from the coaching side? Is it the same? Is it different? Different expectations? Can you just talk us through that situation? Yeah, I mean, I think my background is just a little bit unique in that, um, you know, and I'll, I'll give a quick summary of my background. People can kind of understand, appreciate it. But um, I became a head coach at a really young age, at you know, 26 years old, a varsity coach. I replaced a 
uh, a Hall of Fame coach in Minnesota, basketball coach. And uh, so I was a head coach at a very young age, and uh, I did that for seven years. And then I got my administrative degree, and I had to get out of coaching at age 33. So I became a principal at age 33. Went to a neighboring district, came back to uh, Lake City a couple of years after that to be the principal there. Um, and then I had the opportunity to get back into coaching. And I've been back uh, for 11 years now as the varsity basketball coach. So what's, what's interesting is I was a coach at a young age, you know, knew you know, made a lot of mistakes, grew a lot, you know, um, we had success, but uh, we've had a ton of success here this last uh, 11 years. So probably my core time, I, you know, I'm in my like mid thirties to early forties. Um, I wasn't a head coach. I was coaching more at the youth level, but I was an administrator. So I, I've seen it from so many perspectives. I've raised two kids. Both of them are in college now, so, uh, both three sport athletes. So seen it from an administrative hat, uh, head coaching as a young coach, as, as a you know older coach now. And um, yeah, you know, I would say parents care about their kids. You know, parents want the best for their kids. And, you know, there, there's too many examples out there of parents maybe being over the top. But, you know, most of the parents um, are, are great people that are focused and can think in terms of the team. Um, but they want what's best for their kids. And I think, you know, part of my drive with what I'm doing is to make the best coaches that I can because our kids need them so bad in our world right now. And and also to educate parents and other people and try to help them understand the challenges of coaching. So um, I don't know if I answered your question directly, Nick. I'd love to go deeper on that. But, um, you know, I, I think that's the, the bottom line is parents really are focused on their kids and, uh, you know, they want what's best for them for the most part. What I often see, you know, in discussing with parents and such is like, there's confusion. Like, how do you navigate? How do you juggle? How do you, you know, hold your kids accountable with, you know, allowing coaches to be the ones that are running there? But there's also bad eggs, right? You know, so how do you kind of surrender the reins without, you know, if you feel like maybe the person that's, you know, whether that be in the classroom, whether that be, you know, on the, the, the basketball court, maybe isn't the best suited you know so how do you navigate the surrender the control allow the kids to be coached versus man this coach isn't quite what my kid needs you know i think there's there's two things two keys and i actually just two days ago nick i wrote uh, the sports parent handbook um the 20 commandments of being a successful sports parent and i talk a lot about these things in that and it's, it's about a six-page document it's a free download online but I think it's really good for, for coaches, administrators to give to parents. I'd say there's two things. Number one is parents have to remember that this is their child's experience, not theirs. First and foremost, that's the most important part of being a parent. And, you know, when, when parents oftentimes get into trouble, it's because they're, they're thinking it's their experience and it's, it's really not. It's, it's their kids. And number two is to accept the struggle of team sports. And we all know um, when you're part of a team, uh, there are so many unique challenges that go into that. That's what makes coaching such a, a difficult job. Uh, you're managing however many people, basketballs, you know, 15 people and, and all their wants and needs and goals and dreams. And you're trying to bring them together as one group, as one team. And that's incredibly tough. And so there's going to be struggles. And I think... Uh, Parents needing to just accept the fact that there's going to be ups and downs, there's going to be struggles. And my job as a parent is to help my kid navigate that through their experience and not try to solve their problems for them. But um, the lessons learned, as we know, 
in team sports are incredible. And if we do it right and we help our kids navigate that, the people they become on the back end um, is way worth any accolades they get through the process. So hypothetically, you know, my son or daughter is trying out for the varsity basketball team, right? They're a sophomore in high school and they're on the cusp, right? You know, they don't get put on the varsity team and they're on the JV. And oftentimes you hear, it's not fair. You know, it's not fair. And I had a guest on recently. He's a college coach. He talked about fear doesn't exist in, in his world in college coaching and opportunity does. But is there a difference between the collegiate aspect and high school? Like, where do we draw the line between, you know, what's owed? Like, people think at times everyone deserves the same amount of playing time. But I always advocate for, like, high school's a different animal uh, versus the youth level. Like, obviously, everything needs to be earned, but there's not equal playing time. How, how do you navigate the playing time situation when it comes to high school athletics from a JV, varsity, even freshman standpoint? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's it's a competitive level at, at that level. Um, and I, I, I tell this with our parents. Um, we have a, a pack me parent-athlete coaches meeting, uh, 7 through 12, and I, I share this philosophy at a very young age. And, and I kind of work backwards, and I say, you know what? The varsity level is competitive basketball. Um, there are opportunities to play basketball. You can play, you know, we don't have intramurals, but a lot of bigger schools might have intramurals. They might have, you know, less competitive AAU teams. There's a lot of opportunities to play, but at the high school varsity level, it's, it's competitive and, and your team is, is the best team that you can put on the court for your school, regardless of grade. You know, that's the best team you can put on the court. Now, as you get down to JV level, that's kind of 10th grade and below for us. And then the C-squad level would be ninth grade and below. And, and the playing time changes at each level. And, and middle school, you know, we ensure quality playing time for all kids that show up um, and are committed, you know, and come to practice and so forth. We never use equal because it's impossible, and, um, but we use quality playing time. And uh, the same thing at the elementary level. All kids are going to play it's going to be quality playing time because it's, it's part of the normal growth and development of being a kid is you need that opportunity, that experience to play. Um, as you get into the high school level, uh, there's a little bit more of a commitment expectation. And uh, we're also really, we talk about roles a lot on teams, especially at a varsity level. And we do a lot of unique things to help communicate that with kids. And we've had, I've had, I mean, I could probably tell you on one hand in my 18, 19 years, I've had to talk to a parent about anything. And I think, you know, the key as a coach is to be very proactive, to be a very good communicator, to be very upfront and honest. I think a lot of coaches make that mistake because they're not honest with kids. They're, they're try to please them. They try to promise things to them. And, uh, and that usually gets, you know, coaches in trouble. And so uh, a lot of things, but I do think at the varsity level, it's, it's a competitive environment and um, that's okay. The mantra of our program is no deposit, no return. So we do have this mindset of we want everything to be earned. I think that's a great life lesson for kids. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a progression. And obviously the youth level, um, all kids are playing. It's quality playing time for everyone. And it kind of uh, gradually changes as they get older. I love how you brought up communication. I feel like there's so much lost when walls are put up in boundaries about, you know, Parents, guardians have, at times they feel like they, they can't approach a coach. Some put up a wall. Um, others are very communicative. 
what what is the fine balance? I mean, is, is it an open door policy? Is it because you said you can count on one hand and roughly, I guess you said 18, 19 years in which you've had issues like that. I've heard coaches that are one or two years in that that are overwhelmed. A lot of that could be due to experience and, and learning these things. But like when you talk about communication and making sure the lines of communication are open, with how do you do that? Where are the boundaries? How do you communicate with the parents to keep it where it's where it's smooth? Yeah, you know, a few things. And obviously when you've been in it a little bit longer, you, you've kind of developed some credibility that helps. But, I, you know, I did a lot of this stuff as a really young coach too. And, um, you know, the first thing I would say is, you know, be very honest about playing time, about team makeup, about what they're going to expect. You know, I tell our, our parents, you know, in a typical competitive game, most teams, most coaches, including myself, are probably going to play eight kids, you know, consistently. You know, you might get a ninth or tenth in, depending on the situation, but it's not going to be for tons of minutes. Um, that's pretty typical across the sport of basketball. And so I also tell them, you know, in any situation where we have a, a lead or we're behind, I'm going to get everyone in. I'm going to do what I can at any time to get them in. And we'll set up other, you know, like non-varsity games on a weekend to get some kids some playing time. But you got to be very honest with them because um, if they ever come back to you later on, you want to have something that you can fall back on and say, you know what, I was very clear with this at our PAC meeting at the beginning of the year, what you know my expectations were and how this was going to work. Your child is very aware of it. Um, you know, the second thing is, you know, if you're going to talk with a parent, the kid has to be with them. I mean, unless you're talking about something that is very sensitive um, the child needs to be there. It's their experience. And I, I keep going back to that um, with parents. It's not your experience. It's your child's. And a lot of times the kid has a different perspective. You know, what they, you know, what, what they talk about at home with the parents, at times they're appeasing their parents' conversation. It's not really what they want. So that's really important. And then one really unique thing that I do at the beginning of the year, um, and I do this to help define roles with kids, is... I have them fill out this uh, pretty lengthy self-perception form, and I ask them a lot of questions. I ask them about their role on the team. I ask them about the leaders on our team. And, and one thing I do in it is I said, if we had a game tomorrow, who would be probably our top five guys that would be starting? Who would be our first tier off the bench? And who would be our second tier off the bench? And I want you to put your name in the middle of this list as well. And so what I'm doing, I don't share this with kids or anything, but I want to know, where do they see themselves? Where do they see their teammates? And I want to compare that to where I see them right now. And so if everyone, everyone does that, I take all that information and I put it on a spreadsheet just to get an idea. And I can say, you know, the, the team sees Johnny kind of in that first tier guy off the bench. That's where I see him. But Johnny sees himself in our top five. Well, I know that I have to have a conversation with, with Johnny about maybe his role. And more times than not, kids are spot on with where they think they are, where the team thinks they are, and where I do. And so if I ever had a parent issue, you know, that's something that I can fall back on if I need to. I've never had to use it. But I do that just to really start the discussion on roles. And so I think there's a lot of things um, that coaches need to do. Those are just a couple. Um, I'm sure I can share more as well. When we return, Greg and I take a deep dive into leadership. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days, like literally. 
I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Welcome back. Where we left off, Greg and I were about to discuss the importance of collective leadership and a positive team culture. I feel like that piece that you are, are talking about there when it comes to leadership in particular, I know that's something that you're very, very big on. How do you establish and I guess empower leaders? I know from my own experience, like it's often known amongst the kids, like who are quote unquote, the alphas or whatever the case is, but do you kind of let it work itself out? How do you, you know, promote an environment which allows kids to become leaders and foster that and empower those that might not be the quote unquote alpha, but can help be a productive role? You know, I mean, I think leadership, you know, some people will say it can't be taught. You're born a leader. I, I think that there's different ways to be a leader. Some are very vocal. Some are not. How do you foster leadership from a coaching standpoint, but also from a, a classroom and even administrative standpoint? Yeah, this is something I'm real passionate about. I wrote a big course and uh, a video course called the Team Leader OS to help coaches develop team leaders on their team for this reason, because ultimately um, the reason that teams and programs are successful, number one, is it always starts with a positive culture, a good culture. That's the number one job of a coach is to build a culture and culture. I, I define it three ways. Culture is what you allow. It's what you emphasize and it's every day. Um, and number two, you need player leadership because player led teams win and coaches can't wait and wish for team leaders. Coaches need to systemically purposely develop and build leaders on their team. And then once you get those things, then you can look at the X's and O's and, and all of that. But the reality is the two things that hurt coaches more than anything and get them in trouble more than anything is lack of culture and lack of, of leadership. So we need to be more purposeful in how we develop that and so with leadership I, i'm a big believer like you said in collective leadership there are multiple ways to lead um and there are multiple types of leaders on a team you mentioned the alpha sometimes that's what i call the gamer 
You know, that's the one that, you know, in a game when the game's on the line and someone needs the ball in their hands, you know, the kids know who that is and and that person is going to be your decision maker. That doesn't mean that that person is is the best practice leader, the best locker room leader. Um, I think sometimes as coaches, we we just wait and wish for our best player to be our best leader. It, It might happen once in a lifetime as a coach, to be honest. Um, I think there's a, a statistic out there that like uh, 20% of the time, your best player is your best leader. And I think that's very accurate. So you really need to encourage the other types of leaders. You know, um, I, I have what I call energy leaders. I mean, these are the people that um, maybe aren't getting a ton of playing time, but they're your bench leaders and they're bringing this positive energy to, to games and practices. That's a critical role on winning teams. And as a coach, you got to celebrate those, you know, you get what you emphasize. So, you know, one thing we're doing this year on our team is we are recognizing and celebrating EGBs, which are energy giving behaviors. Well, a lot of the kids that are best with EGBs on our team um, may not always be our best players talent wise, but they bring energy that is contagious to the rest of the team. And I want to recognize and support that because I'm developing a leadership skill in them when I do that. And so I think talking about that with your kids as a coach, letting them know that, you know, leadership is just influence. That's all it is. So you think you as a teammate, how do you influence your teammates? A lot of different ways. You're, you're all leaders when you influence others. And so how can we influence others? And I, I think having these conversations with kids and kind of opening the door um, to not just focus on that stereotypical captain alpha type of person is really important for coaches. What you allow. I think uh, I've heard that, you know, one of my all time coaches that I ever had, Mike Fox. Um, I talk about him quite a lot. It was the head baseball coach university of North Carolina for 23 years. And we talk, you know, almost daily, uh, just about ideas and such. And that often comes up your culture as a coach and, and, you know, it's what you allow, right? What you allow kids to, to happen in your program. And I've seen situations where, and I've heard about it, and I've seen it firsthand with teams that my kids have been on where, you know, the rules don't apply to everybody, you know, and that's a big problem. I know with my old coach uh, when I was in college with Coach Fox and even, you know, Coach Long and these, my assistants, like, they didn't care if you were an All-American. Like, there were boundaries, and no matter who crossed them, there was going to be a repercussion or you know, whatever, as a yep. result of stepping out of that. But if I'm a parent and my kids tell me, well, you know, so-and-so doesn't go to practice, but yet is still starting every game or, or this, that, and the other, whatever it is, how do you navigate it if, quite frankly, you have a coach who's allowing, you know, kind of anarchy, for lack of a better word? It's like, uh, you know, so for coaches, how do you stay consistent with that? And secondly, as a parent, how do you navigate if the coach is inconsistent with that and your kid is obviously feeling the ramifications and doesn't really know how to navigate the the kind of disarray of the culture? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I, I would hope that's not happening. And I guess in my experience, I don't see it a lot. But I'm not saying it's, it's not maybe commonplace in other places too. But, you know, I, I would hope that a coach – um, you know, wouldn't be in that situation where kids that aren't showing up to practice are, are starting. I mean, that's a, there, there's always bad apples in every profession and, and there's bad coaches out there too. Um, but I, I think, you know, like you said, it's, it's when as a coach, you got to think everything comes down to what you allow and what you emphasize. Um, those are the standards that you're creating in your program. And I think of this as a school administrator too. 
You know, the best example I give is if I'm walking down the hall at school and I, I see a, a kid talking to his buddies and they, they swear and they're just talking to their buddies, but I walk by and I hear it and I don't address it. Doesn't mean I'm going to punish them or anything like that, but I'm going to let them know that, hey, we don't talk that way. We don't need to say that, whatever. If I don't address it, I'm allowing it. And they know that. They know when I walk by that I heard it. And and those are the things that are really important. These, this is why culture is every day. Because, you know, if I don't address these little things every day, they're going to turn into big things. It's kind of like parenting. You know, it, when our kids are young, that's when all the work is done as a parent, in my mind. Like, you're setting, you know, expectations and, you know, you're, you're loving your child and all of that. But you do that at a young age so that when they get to that high school age and bigger things happen, all all those kind of standards, expectations have been set. It makes it a whole lot easier. And so, you know, as a coach, you really have to be conscious of what am I allowing each and every day? And then pick three things that are really, really important to you and emphasize those over and over again, because we are what we emphasize. That's one thing I learned as a young coach at a clinic. You can't emphasize everything. And I think when I was young, I, I did emphasize too much. And now, you know, I, I really emphasize three things in our program. And one is no deposit, no return. I want a, a mindset that everything is earned. I think that's a great life lesson for kids. Number two, we talk about energy and being a positive energy giver all the time. Um, I think energy is contagious, and that's an important part of our program. And then number three is the concept of we over me or team. And I just feel that, you know, if we have a team that uh, has a everything is earned mindset, is team first, and they're positive energy givers, we're going to be okay. And uh, so that's what I emphasize over and over again. And so um, the culture is built every single day. And I think sometimes coaches feel like, oh, we finally got that good culture, and then they stop addressing it. And then they start allowing things that they wouldn't have allowed before. And then all of a sudden they get a problem, and, and they got to they gotta like recalibrate their culture. But that's why I try to simplify things as best I can. And that's, that's how I have simplified culture. I think that uh, as you're talking about every day, that's so critical consistency, right? And I can speak from it from a parenting standpoint. I mean, yep. it, it's challenging and I have six kids and quite frankly, they wear me out, but it's also picking your, ba- <laughs> it's, I mean, it's also picking your battles. And I love how you pointed out that, totally. you know, you probably addressed every single thing, like you mentioned when you were younger, but then you kind of figure out, you know, where, I guess the most emphasis needs to be put, you know, as we come to wrap up here uh, and I appreciate your time and, and, you know, the insight, where do you think parents should, when you, when your kids are entering this journey? And I, I think, you know, it's, I feel like it's often a lot easier as a sports parent, you know, in those early, early ages, but then once the competitiveness starts to ramp up a little bit as you head towards middle school and people start, you know, looking at travel teams or whatever the case is and, you know, how do you step back and realize like, hey, how, how do I navigate this? I guess what would be some advice if, as you're closing for parents to know how, how do we kind of allow our kids for this experience to be theirs while still helping to guide them, knowing that obviously, you know, they're paying money in many cases, um, a lot of money. They're allocating a lot of time. They want to be able to have their kids have the best experience on and off the playing surfaces, courts, mats, grass, whatever it is. Um, but at the same time, be able to extract those lessons. How do they keep a full perspective without being, I guess, bent and hell bent on performance and 
get caught up in the rat race of keeping up with the Joneses? Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there is comparison is the thief of joy. And, you know, I, I think with your own child, I'm reminded when you said that of a great Pat Summit story. Pat Summit, a longtime women's basketball coach at University sure. of Tennessee, one of the best coaches to ever coach. Um, and I might get the story a little bit off, but her son was trying out for a varsity basketball team. And I don't know if he's in 10th grade or maybe it was a lower level team. I can't remember. He didn't make the team. And she tells the story of her, her son comes home and in the back of her mind, the first thing she's thinking is, are you kidding me? You cut Pat Summit's kid from your team. You know, she knew that she had a lot of influence as a basketball coach or whatnot, but she never said that to her kid. And to her kid, her first response is, did you do everything you could possibly do to make that team? And she turned it on him and she turned it on the work ethic and the commitment and the time. And did you do everything possible to be the best that you could be? And he didn't. And she knew that he didn't. And, you know, there was a consequence for that. And so I think as parents, you you have to think of the the, the end goal. The end goal is not for them to be this. I mean, if they're, you know, some parents get hung up, oh, I'm a kid to get a scholarship. Do you know how good they have to be to get a scholarship? Like if, if they're even close to not making a team, there isn't, they're not getting a scholarship. They're not that level of an athlete. If they're that good, they're, they're going to make it. So your end goal is to provide a, um, the life lessons of sport they are going to last for them throughout their entire life and all the skills that are learned. You really have to think of it that way. And, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. Don't compare your kids to others. Um, build in them this no deposit, no return mindset. I, I know it's tough. But the rewards you get when you can flip the switch and, and think of the process being the prize and not, you know, the living in the moment are, are so incredible for parents. And, and I think, you know, you just you have to be mindful of tunnel vision as a parent because it's very normal as parents to just think of everything through your kid's lens and a coach's job, good or bad, is to look at it for the totality of the team. Coaches want to win especially at the varsity level so they're they're doing everything in, that they think can help their team win and so um you know I, I think those things are really important I, I wrote a post this week on why do parents sit alone um i didn't think it was going to be like a huge post it got like 1.2 million views and it resonated with a lot of people parents sit alone because they don't want to hear the negativity and the drama and the the stuff that goes on in the stands, the comparison, the finger pointing, the blaming, they want to just enjoy the experience with their kid. And uh, I think we need to step back as parents and kind of think of that, um, what the end goal is and what our ultimate responsibility is as parents. And uh, I know that's easier uh, said than done for some, but it's ultimately what I think we need to do. It's great. I'm not surprised that that post got a lot of reach and, and touched a lot of people because we wrote a blog. Uh, I wrote a blog last year, Life of a, a Lone Wolf Sports Parent, talking exactly about that. And uh, it got the same type of response. I mean, um, Greg, wh- where can people find you? I know I found you on Twitter. Tell us your handles, your platforms, your website. Where can people find what you're doing and all of your great work that's being put out there? Yeah, thanks, Nick. I'm, I really just write on Twitter, actively on Twitter, or X now, I guess. Uh, my handle is at GB1121. 
And so I, I'm posting a few times a day, uh, a lot of really good content. I have a, uh, a newsletter that I, a free newsletter that I publish each week called great teams, better leaders, one, two, three. Uh, you can subscribe to that on my Twitter handle. And I have a website that you can find a lot of other books I've written, my team leader OS, um, you know, and other free, a lot of free resources I give away too. That's gb1leadership.com. So, um, yeah, I, I appreciate the opportunity, Nick. And, uh, I love what you're doing. I, I love your stuff and I'm, I'm honored to, to be a guest on this today. So I want to thank you for that as well. No doubt, man. It works both ways. I appreciate you coming on, sharing your insights, sharing your experience. Definitely going to help a lot of people and keep doing what you're doing. I'll keep following you and everyone go check out Greg's stuff. It's, it's, it's high quality. It's definitely, it helps me and, uh, in my journey as a sports parent and, and I uh, just love connecting with great people out there doing great work. So I appreciate you coming on, Greg. That's Greg Berg, high school principal, basketball coach, and teacher. Thanks for listening to the Reform Sports Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, we would appreciate it if you took a moment to rate and review our podcast as we work to grow our community of supporters and advocates. For more Reform Sports content, please subscribe to our newsletter and blog at reformsportsproject.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.